Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? You know, how many of you have ever started a job? You know, they, they ask you a lot of times, you know, what, do you, what would you like to make? And you, you, know, you tell them what you want to think start up. But how many of you have ever gone to a job and said, you know what, this is the max money I ever want to make right here. So don't ever pay me more than this amount of money. I mean, anybody? Anybody in here? Anybody ever gone to a, a car dealership and said, hey, this is my payment right here, but I want that payment for the, the, the worst car you have. I mean, the lowest in the dealership. Anybody done that? Let me ask you a question. Y'all knew this was a trap, right? <laughs> Why in the world would we tell God right from the beginning, God, I only want you to bless me this much? Do you know that children are a blessing? They're a reward from God. And there's not one of these parents in here that are thinking, man, if I hadn't, you know, while they're sitting there watching their graduate up here, there, there's none of them out there thinking, you know what, if I hadn't had them, I could have had a nicer truck 10 years ago <laughs> or a little bigger house or maybe this or that or, or, or maybe a better bass boat or what. Not one of them. You know what they're thinking? Man, how did the time go by so fast? And if I wish, I wish I had a little bit more of that back. That's what they're thinking. And they're posting stuff, man, it just went like, hey, I had an old man moment. Sterling Johnson, you know, I, I saw you in the hospital when you were like a, an hour old, dude. And now here he is. Great. I mean, I'm old. I, I mean, so I, I, I've had an old man moment. But, you know, I love watching these kids being able to watch them grow up and then, and then go out. But here, here's what I'm going to tell you young kids and, and younger couples, too. Go forth and multiply. Find somebody who loves Jesus, get married, have a family, and have lots of kids. All right? Now, the world's going to tell you, oh, no, you need to keep population under control and the climate and all that other garbage. I'm telling you right now, one of the greatest rewards in life is children. It's not going to be driving a bigger truck or having a little bit bigger house. It's having kids. Have kids. That's all I'm saying about that. That's totally for free. Has nothing to do with the message. <laughs> <laughs> Acts 3. Y'all don't even have to put any extra in the plate today, all right? So just don't worry about it. We're in Acts chapter 3. We're going through the book of Acts. And uh, today, um, there's a couple of things. One of the things I want to get to is, is uh, um, the, in, in this passage of Scripture is a prayer that the new, the, the new church prayed that I think is really amazing and that I think should be our prayer today. But we're going to begin with an event that triggered a series of things that kind of I, I want us to look at. And it begins in Acts Chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 1. And if you would please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. 
Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar who had so often at the beautiful gate, who, yeah, that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed in, rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, this was one of the, the signs and wonders that the apostles performed at the beginning of the birth of the church. And it happened as Peter and John were going about their daily routine. They were going down to the temple to pray, and they saw this man. And, you know, there, there's some things. One of the things that jumped out at me was he asked him for money, and Peter and John looked at him intently. You know, and it's almost as though you can hear this conversation going on in their mind, that the Holy Spirit is prompting them to do something, and they're, they're, they're determining. And you know what? That's the thing is, we, we come into those moments all the time in life where we have the opportunity to step out in faith or whether we shrink back. And so Peter said out loud, you know, hey, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, stand up and walk. Now, at this point, there'd been no healing. His legs were still lame. And so Peter reaches out, helps him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumps up. And you can hear almost in their minds this idea of, what is going on right in front of them? And the, young, the, the man who's healed begins to leap around, praising God. And what happens is all these people rush right out to him. And so there's a miracle that happens. And we're going to get back to those miracles in just a moment. But one of the first things that Peter does and that we're able to do, when we see something that God's done or somebody talks about the things of God, you know, you, when you go through the course of life, there'll be times that people say, well, man, you know, I just thank God for this. Or, you know, people maybe that don't even really know God will say, well, I just thank the man upstairs or whatever else they refer to him. And it's in those moments that we have an opportunity. And here's what Peter did in the verse right after. Um, it says, while, oh, excuse me, in uh, verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity. There'd been a miracle, something had happened. People were recognizing it. They were looking and Peter saw an opportunity. What did he see the opportunity to do? It wasn't to be, hey, look at me. It was an opportunity to point to Jesus. And he took that moment. says he saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power of godliness? For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. And so whenever God does something miraculous in our lives, delivers us, does something for us, always remember to give God the credit for it because the credit belongs to him. You know, sometimes we can get caught up in just being thankful and enjoying that we've been delivered, that God's done something for us, and we might even forget to give God the glory and the honor. Always remember that when we have an opportunity and people are looking at something because of something that God did, that that opportunity is to point people to look at Jesus. And that's what Peter did. It was an opportunity. He saw his opportunity and he took it. 
And that's one of the things that I, I, hey, I've messed up at at times during the years. I can remember there were opportunities that I had to speak about Jesus, to give glory to his name. And I didn't take them. Maybe I wasn't ready for them. Maybe I wasn't looking for them. Maybe they caught me off guard. Somebody said something that opened a door for me, and I was like, well, I I don't know what to do here. And I didn't take the opportunity. But Peter saw his opportunity, and he took it. And the, the opportunity he saw was to be able to lift up the name of Jesus. Now, here's the next thing is one of the you know, I'm kind of, I got to admit, I kind of got these graduates in mind for some of these things I'm talking about, but they really are for all of us. And that is, look, God's going to give you moments of victory in your life. Whenever there's a moment of victory, there's going to come opposition. And you know what? We don't really, a lot of times we're not prepared for opposition. We're prepared for obstacles, maybe, or difficulties, or, you know, yeah, I get it. I got to do this kind of work to get here. But there's going to come a point, if you're following God, if you're glorifying him, there's going to come a time of actual opposition. It will happen. And how you respond to opposition is one of the most critical decisions you're going to make in life. And it's easy a lot of times to just kind of back up and move away from it to, well, I don't want to deal with conflict. I I don't understand why these people don't like this. But here's the deal. These these gentlemen, Peter and John, by the power of God, God healed them, but they've healed a guy who's lame from birth. Now you'd think, surely nobody could get upset with that. Well, he starts to glorify God and he starts to give the gospel. In uh, Acts 4, 1 through 4, says, while Peter and John were speaking to the people, and Peter goes through and lays out the whole gospel to him. They were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard. The temple guard were some of those soldiers that came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, that's not that long ago. Weeks is all. The priests were there. The Sadducees were there. Some of the Sadducees. Okay? These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there's a resurrection of the dead. So here's, here's a place where you can see victory and opposition come together just like this. I'm going to read the last two verses. All right. So they're not liking the preaching. It says they arrested them, and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believe now totaled about 5,000. So instead of being able to go out and celebrate with their friends that there were a bunch of people that came to know Christ and a guy's healed, they're in prison. Okay? So you'd think, why? I mean, who in the world would arrest somebody after doing that? And if you were doing it, you'd think, well, man, all I did was follow God. And, you know, we saw this guy healed, and then we preached the gospel, and all these people got saved. And look at me. I'm getting punished for it. It'd be easy for that to temper your decisions going forward. But Peter and John did not allow that to happen. Opposition will come. So the next day they bring them in. It says they brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, now I want you to catch this. This is a fulfillment of one of the things that Jesus told them. He told them, they're going to drag you in front of the courts. They're going to drag you in front of the leaders for preaching my name. Don't worry about what you're going to say. In the moment you need it, you'll know exactly what to say. So 
They dragged them in there. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are, being, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Now, I want, to, I want you to see what they did. They spoke with respect. They called them leaders and rulers of our people. They didn't, they didn't jump on them and said, who do you think you are dragging us in here because of this? They responded, okay? He says, we're being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man. Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Now, he didn't dodge the truth either. The man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So he was respectful, but he was truthful. He didn't try to weasel out. He didn't try to get out of the punishment. He came straight to him, and that's one of the keys. When you experience opposition, and here's one of the hard parts about opposition. If you're really following God, you're going by the word of God, you're doing what God's told you to do, there will be people, sometimes people that you feel like should be supporting you that will be in opposition, okay? Sometimes they think that they'll tell you they're doing, hey, I'm just doing this for your own good. You know, what you're doing could get you in trouble with your company, and you need to kind of dial it down. And, and I, I get it. You know, you love Jesus, and so do I. But we need, to, we need to kind of dial that down. It's going to get you in trouble. But that's not what Peter and John did. Number one, they confronted the thing head on. And then in Acts 4, 18 through 22, they sent them out first, and they're like, what are we going to do with these dudes? And they're like, well, I don't know. They, they went back and forth. So they called them back in, and they commanded them never again to speech or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? You see, sometimes people will come to you, hey, for your own protection, we want you to be good. We want you to have a long ministry. Don't irritate the, 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 the leaders anymore. If they don't want you to preach around here, hey, just do it on the QT. Do it on the, just be quiet about it. Be smart. That's what people are going to tell you. But let me tell you what the greatest answer to opposition, when it's in opposition to what God's commanded, is boldness. And so what do Peter and John say? You think God wants us to obey you rather than him? No. The council says we cannot step telling about everything that we have seen and heard. We can't. We won't. The council then threatened them further, but finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. So here's what I want you to know. I've watched too many times through the years where God began to do something and there was opposition and God's people backed down instead of being bold. They yielded to the opposition, trying to keep peace, trying to make peace, trying to do whatever, instead of saying, nope, this is what God said, this is what we're going to do. And let me tell you something, I've seen churches stalled where they were at, because when they had an opportunity and God was doing something, and God was ready to open a door, and God was going to do even more, they backed down. Because you know what? It's hard sometimes. Let me tell you something. You follow Jesus long enough, you're going to have other believers. You're going to have 
people that, cl- that say they're Christians, you're going to have people that you love, that you've invested a lot of time in, that are going to turn on you and tell you to stop. And what you choose to do, I've seen people choose friendships over following God. I have. I've had people sit down, hey, this guy, you know, they're doing this thing, or they're wanting to go this direction, and I know it's wrong, but man, they're my friend. And they'd go with them. Do not ever choose friendship over following God. That will be one of the biggest opportunities you have to fail is by choosing to be more loyal to your friends or to people that you love that you maybe you grew up with even than to be loyal to the things of God. And, and if you're thinking, well, you know, that'll never happen to me. Yes, it will. You want to know how I know it will? Jesus picked 12 guys and poured his life into them for three years, and one of them betrayed him. And you're not better than Jesus, are you? You will be betrayed by somebody that you love. Now, that's not an excuse to not love people and get close to them. Jesus did it anyway. But it's to be prepared. Because anytime there is a work of God that's going to happen, that is in the midst of happening, that has happened, there will always be opposition. And there are more spiritual wars that are lost to people backing down from opposition than anything else. See, the opposition had no power to do anything to them. They knew that the people would have gone nuts. And so by standing up to them, they were simply calling, saying, hey, this is what we're doing. God told us to do it. God had already taken care of the punishment part. They knew they couldn't punish him, but they tried to bluff him anyway. And you know what? Some believers, they, they really, in their mind, they really are doing it for your good. Some of them are just jealous. Some of them don't want you. They're threatened by the fact that you're willing to go out and do more in following God than they are. And some of them are plants from the enemy, period. Judah was a plant from the enemy. You, I'm just telling you right now, be prepared because you will be betrayed. If it happened to Jesus, it's going to happen to us too. Anytime God wants to do something great, there's opposition. Now, after that, they let them go. They went back and they told the church what was happening. And so the church decided to pray about it. Now, here's the prayer I was telling you about. So what kind of prayer do you think they'd pray? God, please don't let us, don't let us suffer from this too. God, don't, don't let them arrest us. That's not what they prayed at all. Let me tell you what they prayed. Acts 4, 27 through 31. They begin to pray, and they're talking about the prophecies of old and what happened to Jesus. Because here's the thing. What happened to Peter and John was exactly what happened to Jesus. They didn't like what he was saying, what they were saying, and so they brought him in and began to accuse him. That's exactly what they did to Jesus. Now, eventually... They had to turn him over to Pilate because they didn't have the power to crucify him, but they did have the power to put a lot of pressure on Pilate, and he agreed, and Jesus was crucified. So this is only a few weeks old. So there had to have been a pretty healthy fear about what the opposition could do to them. So here's what they say. In fact, this has happened in this very city. They're talking about what happened about the prophecies of Jesus. 
For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. This is part of their prayer. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. That is a really important line. I want you to know why. Because they recognized that Jesus went to the cross because it was God's will. And that those individuals didn't have any power over Jesus. And by recognizing that, they're saying they don't have any power over us either. If God's will is that something might happen, then so be it. Now, they also knew it could happen to them. But instead of being fearful, instead of figuring out how to go hide somewhere in the caves, instead of figuring out, hey, what can we do? Or God, smite these people. Just smite them with holy lightning from above or whatever. They didn't do that either. They said, look, we understand, God. Nothing's going to happen to us that's not your will. So we're not going to be afraid. And so then here, listen to this. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. That is one of the most awesome prayers in the entire New Testament, right there. They're faced with the opportunity and the chance of being tried, of the those people had the ability and the authority to beat them, to whip them, just not to put them to death. They had to go to Pilate for that. But they'd already been successful with Jesus. And so they didn't pray about those. They said, God, you know what? It's in your hands. They didn't ask for safety. They didn't ask for protection. They did, you know what they asked for? Boldness. Boldness to preach the word with boldness. That's how you face opposition. It's always in love, but it's with boldness. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. You know, the second thing they prayed was that God would do more miracles and more wonders so there'd be more opportunities. Now, you notice they didn't say, Jesus, let me do what Peter did. They just say, God, do what you do. You know, sometimes I wonder, you know, the prayers that we pray, how many times do we really ask and believe that God will do things that are miraculous, that are wonders? How many times? You know, what are you praying for right now that's really just based on the kingdom of God? You know, there are things that we can pray for, that we should pray for. I get it. You know, people that we know that are sick, people that, you know, are in hard, you know, in a hard place in life, that this, that, we, we ought to be praying for, for those things. But you know, a lot of those a lot of the prayers we pray, hey, Lord, help them with this, help them with that. Those are things that we could do. But how many times are we praying, God, I, I want to see your kingdom grow. Help me to further your kingdom. Because here's the deal. 
If you could go back in heaven, anybody that had suffered physically, illness, been dirt poor, or whatever, and said, hey, we could go back, and the people that led you to Christ, that told you about Jesus, we could go back in time and, and, and just erase that, but if they could pray and ask that you be healed in that moment, or that you get financially sound in that moment, would you trade what they gave you, which was news of the gospel, for comfort in that moment? Do you think anybody would take you up on it? Of course not. But sometimes we're more concerned. Do you, I want you to hear me about this. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be compassionate about people that are in pain or in difficulties. We should be. But that pales in significance to whether they know Jesus or not. You, you realize that? Every person that you know, the most important prayer you could pray for them is that they know Christ. And then if they do, then you pray for that God would use whatever they're going through for his glory and for healing and for whatever else. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray for those things, but you know what? Sometimes we get, we get caught up praying for the things that ask yourself, what are you praying for right now that is going to matter in a hundred years? And if there's nothing, then you're not praying for things that matter enough. You see, if you pray, God, give me boldness to share Christ with this person. Lord, you're praying for somebody's salvation, and they get saved 100 years from now, they're still going to thank you. Thank you. That was the greatest thing you could have done for me. What are you praying for that will matter in 100 years? Now, I get it. There's daily needs we have. There's nothing wrong with going before God with those. But I'm telling you, if you ain't praying for something that's going to matter in 100 years, then you're not, you're going, you got a shot. You get to walk into the throne room of grace because of the blood of Jesus and ask the God of the universe that has cattle on a thousand hills that can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. And all you're asking him for are the little things. They prayed a prayer with boldness. Now, here's what happened. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. God answered their prayer in that moment. You know how we can know? A friend of mine, I, I, I won't say a friend, but a guy that I heard, I met, and I knew, came to a couple of churches I was at. His name was Manly Beasley, and his thing was prayer and faith. And he used to say, you know how you can make sure that your prayers are always answered? Well, everybody's like, well, okay, man, I want to hear that. He'd say, always ask God for things that God wants to do already. You know what God wants, wanted to do? He wanted the gospel to spread. He wanted his people to preach with boldness. You know what? Sometimes we need to pray because it's not that God's holding back, but that we need to get our heart right to receive it. You know what? Sometimes your heavenly father's like, I was waiting for you to ask me for that. And we don't ask. 
And we don't get it because we don't ask. James 4, 2-3, you, you, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You see, what are you praying for that's for other people? That's really not a benefit to you at all. Hey, there's nothing wrong with thanking God for our daily bread. But you know what? Jesus didn't tell us how you need to make sure you ask every morning that you have enough to eat that day. You know what? He told us the opposite. He said, you know what? You're so worried about these things. Your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask him. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, hey, I get it. You know, you're worried about it. And, and it, the Bible tells us to cast our, all our anxiety for, upon him. And I, I get that. But what he's saying is quit worrying about that. Your heavenly father already knows you need it. And he's going to provide it. But what he's looking for is somebody that's sold out to the kingdom of God. Then seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things, they're just going to be added unto you. See, we get it wrong so many times. You know what? I need this. If I get this career and if I get this far and if I can be making this much money and I can have this kind of house, hey, you know, I mean, we make, we, we're trying to do this on spiritually, but sometimes it's let's make a deal with God. Hey, God, if you'd give me this house, then you know what? I could invite people over and maybe have a Bible study or maybe even tell them about Jesus. You know what, God, if you'd let me make this amount of money, have this job, I could give to other people. I could do stuff. Well, that's just deal-making with God. You think God's up there, oh, my goodness, if somebody could just make this amount. Give, God's got cattle on a thousand hills. He ain't need nothing you got or you're ever going to get. But you know what he's looking for? It's people that are more concerned with the kingdom of God than they are with what they can get out of life. And you know what we're all saying? God, if you give me what I want, then I'll give you out of my great blessings. I will give some of those back to other people. You think that moves the heart of God? You saw right here what moved the heart of God. The face with being thrown in jail and brought before a court, his people said, God, give us boldness to preach the word of God. The whole building shook and God filled them with the Holy Spirit and they went out and began to preach the word of God with boldness because you know what when we ask God for what he's already wanting to give us we know that prayer is answered James 1 John 5 14 through 15 we're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him and since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. When you're praying in, in harmony with the will of God, God will answer those prayers. And you know what, you know what Jesus tells us? You do that first, God will add that other stuff that you need. He'll add all those things unto you without even asking for them. 
You got to pray in faith. Hebrews 11.6 is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. We've got to believe. And the second thing is we've got to be persistent. You know, the Bible talks about a, a woman. Jesus gave a parable about a, a widow in, a, in a, a city, and she was going before a judge asking for justice. And Jesus said about the judge, he neither feared God nor cared about people. He didn't care about what she wanted, even though what she was asking was right. But she kept coming back. He ignored her for a while, but she kept coming back day after day after day. And finally, the judge says, you know what? I don't care, fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice so she'll leave me alone because she is where this, this is I'm reading from the Luke 18. You can look it up because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. As we would say here in Texas, she'd been wearing me slick. And so he granted her request. And then he said, you know, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who are his children? He says that over and over again. But what are we asking for that really matters? You know, the whole, the, the whole New Testament tells us that if we would turn our focus from just having this blessed life to being a blessing, to being kingdom-minded, that you know what? All those other things would, would follow us. Would follow us. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life, David said. What's your focus? And my, my big challenge to you is, what are you, what are you praying for that's going to matter in 100 years? What are we praying for that, that has some kind of eternal significance in the lives of others? What are we praying for about how we can be used of God to do things that will last beyond our lifetime. Acts 4.12, and one of the things that the, uh, the apostles said in the trial was, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That is the message of the gospel. And here's the, the question. It's, it, you don't get saved because you do good stuff, because nobody's good enough. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all have to ask forgiveness of our sins, because we've all sinned. And the second thing is we've got to believe in Jesus. He's the only name given to man by which we must be saved. You've got to believe that he's God's son, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose on the third day. And then the last thing is selling out to it. Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And so I'm asking you today, not how many times you've been to church, how many of your relatives are Christian, how many good things you've done, how much, good, how much money you've given to good causes. Hey, those are all good things, but none of them will get you into heaven. There's only one thing, and that's a relationship with Jesus. And so if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want to give you the opportunity to have one today. So I'm going to ask everyone in here to bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. And I want to pray a simple prayer of salvation. And you can repeat it after me. Or you can pray it in your own words. Just pray it in your heart. God will hear you. But if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have a right relationship with God, and that that relationship will last forever for all eternity, I want you to pray this with me right now. And this is for those who've not made this decision before to trust Christ. Okay, if you've not done that before, I want you to pray this with me right now. Dear God in heaven, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life and cleanse me. Today, I trust Jesus as my Savior, and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you prayed that prayer today, and you meant it, here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything in front of the people that are here. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up at, look up at me right now. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to look up at me right now and keep looking until I see you because I want to encourage you and I want to pray for you. Okay. All right. Okay. Now here's what I want to encourage you to do. It's important that you tell someone. So if you made that decision to trust Christ, we would love for you to tell us. And here's what we would like to offer. We would love to answer any questions you have about your decision and also talk to you about the next steps and to take in following Christ. You don't have to join our church. You don't even have to come back. We, you're more than welcome to. We'd love to have you. But we want to help you no matter what, and we're not going to ask anything from you. And there's different ways you can do that. There's a, a number on our screen up here that you can contact, or there's a QR code in your bulletin. You can look in there and find that. Use your camera to get to that. Or you can talk to John. He'll be here in a minute to dismiss us with a word of prayer. And so you're welcome to come and talk to him, and he can set up a time with you and get somebody to talk to you today. So I want to pray for you that made that decision. I want to encourage you. Your sins are forgiven. And you belong to Jesus now. And you've been adopted into God's family as a son or a daughter. And that is permanent and forever. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your mercy and your love. And pray, dear Lord, that for those that made a decision today to trust you, that, God, you would continue to show yourself to them, to, to speak to them. Father, help them to find the right church where they can grow in their walk with you. And, Father, we pray for blessings in their lives and their families' lives and in everything they do.
And God, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.